All right, Avalanche Nation. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever you may be listening. Thank you for joining the Lockdown Avalanche Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Colorado Avalanche just wrapped up a very hard-fought game in Toronto. In the end, they were victorious 3-1, to one, and we will be going over that game and looking over, uh, not period by period, just a generalized summary of the game, things that went well, which was quite a bit for the Avalanche. Uh, tough environment to play in Toronto, uh, but they come out with yet another victory, and uh, so we'll get into that. Uh, we're going to start, of course, like we always do, with how to follow on the social medias of the interwebs, and that's on Twitter, LOPN underscore Avalanche, on Facebook and Instagram, just search Locked on Avalanche, and send emails, always welcome emails, any questions, comments, anything that you want to say, uh, say it, LockedOnAvalanche at gmail.com, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> oh. Still fighting the cold. Um, so some um, injury news, like we kind of have always been starting these shows. Uh, Kamenev is out with an illness, and that's all they said is that he is out with an illness. <laughs> we have nothing else to go on uh, other than that. So we don't know how long. We don't know what the illness is, but he's out with an illness. Gabriel Landeskog in full practice. He's a full go. I've been saying uh, Boston, maybe tomorrow in Montreal. Let's just hold out and let's just see what happens. If it's not Montreal, I think it's because I've backed this up a little bit to say it's very possible he could um, start in Montreal. If he doesn't, I am more than convinced that he will uh, be there for the Boston game. So uh, just good to see that we are now days away, maybe a day, maybe 24 hours away from Landeskog joining the team again. There were rumors swirling about that Matt Calvert was not going to play. Early in the day, Jared Bednar had come out and said a definitive yes that he was going to play. And as I was kind of just looking through social media, right before the game started and even a couple minutes into it, I think, um, I think because he wasn't on like the, the first line, people were concerned. Maybe those people just didn't look at the lines or something. I have no idea, but there was a moment of time where people thought Matt Calvert was a late scratch. Turned out not to be the case. Um, and, yeah, he played. And he, I, I think he just needs to get his sea legs. He, he didn't really stand out like he has been. So he probably just needs to get that game under him to get back, even though he hasn't missed a ton of time. Um, you go down with an injury that he sustained, you're going to be a little hesitant. I don't care who you are. Uh, think baseball. When a baseball player gets hit in the head or something like that and they come back from, you know, they could be gone for one game, they could be gone for 20 games. When they come back, if you have a, a kind of a traumatic injury like that, um, you're going to be a little bit hesitant. You hope it doesn't last too long. And I don't think it will with Matt Calvert, but um, – uh, he he was he was fine, no no complaints. So Nazem Kadri is back in Toronto. So is Callie Rosen, but this was really all about uh, Kadri coming back to Toronto, and they played a a tribute to him at the first stoppage of play in the first period. And I don't know if anybody noticed it. Like they they showed his parent, they were splitting 
the the time on camera between him and his parents in the stands, his mother lost it, understandably so. Just you know, waterfall of tears coming from her. Her father or his father was typical dad, smile on his face, and he kind of held it together. Kadri just seemed like he just wanted to get back to playing, and I'm not saying he was ungrateful for it. I I don't I don't know. Do they always do this at in, in between like the first stoppage of play? I thought they always did this like before the game started or uh, before a period started. Mostly before the game even starts, like right before the game, before the first puck drop, they'll throw a thing up on the screen as a, a tribute and appreciation to a player that's been there for as long as Kadri has. I just thought it was a little strange to do it at the first stoppage of play, halfway through the first period. And you could tell, like, he was looking, he was watching the video. It was a short couple-minute video covered and, you know, summarized pretty quickly, like, his time in Toronto from being drafted to, obviously, some highlights. But it seemed like he wanted it to be over and get back to the game. And, I, like I said, I don't think he wasn't grateful for it, but I think that just goes to show you uh, what Nazem Kadri is about. He's business, and he's got a game to play. And he doesn't have time to be watching tributes about him because he probably doesn't even want to see that to begin with. Even if they showed it before the first period, he probably didn't want to see it. Uh, but I, I'm interested to see what <coughs> the uh, post-game press conference is with him to see if he really, you know, after the game is over, I'm sure he's going to be gracious, he's going to be thankful. I don't think he'll say anything saying something like what I'm saying now is like, I just wanted to play the game. Maybe he will. He's Nazem Kadri. He said some things about Mike Babcock who just got fired and he was respectful, questioned his methods, um, but he did it in a very Nazem Kadri way. So I wonder where he's going to fall in line with, with this show. I, I'm really good at reading people. It's part of my normal day job. Uh, and the facial expressions that he had, he didn't seem to care at that point in time. Like I said, I'm sure he did overall, but um, you're in the middle of the game, and he just wants to win that game, whether it's his old team, which I'm sure anybody that's playing their old team has some extra incentive to win, but it didn't matter. I think it doesn't matter what game he's playing, where he's playing. Let's get to business. So, And, and speaking of getting to business, uh, the, the Avalanche did just that tonight against Toronto. Um, very, very hard fought one, one game. Um, first period back and forth, both teams very evenly matched good speed on both sides. I, I think the shots were in favor of Toronto at the end of the first, they got two shots on goal, like in the last minute to give them a 12 to 10 edge, but it just goes to show you how evenly matched this game was. Um, the, the interesting thing about this game was there were no penalties called until almost exactly halfway through the game. I think there was like nine minutes and 55 seconds left in the second period when the first penalty was called. And you got the feeling that that power play was paramount to the avalanche. They needed to score on that power play because the way the goalies were playing, which was incredible all game long on both ends, it was going to be a low-scoring game, so you have this opportunity. And like I said, there was not a penalty called up until this moment. So that's how this game is going to be played, and I credit the refs. They let them play. They knew that these teams were back and forth. 
They let them decide it on the ice. And there were some, more or less, it was a pretty, uh, what's the right word, a safe period to play. Um, no egregious penalties that should have been called where fans are throwing their hands up in the air or Avalanche fans at home are throwing their hands up in the air. That should have been a penalty. There, there was one moment, and I wish I have the players' names, my daughter was jumping on me at the time, so I didn't see the player. It looked like almost a dangerous hit towards the end of the uh, player bench, right where that post is. It looked like that was, uh, and it was on an avalanche player. I don't know who it was that took the hit, and I don't know who the Maple Leaf player that gave the hit. But it didn't look so bad. Um, so I credit the refs. They, they, they were in the flow of the game, and they didn't make the game about them. They... If there's a penalty, they called it, and um, they called a few penalties, but this game was not decided by the refs, as it should be. It was decided on the ice by the players. So when they did get that penalty, like I said, you knew it was of extreme importance. They had to get on the board, and they did relatively quickly. Um, Nathan McKinnon, he it, the pass that we have been missing – is that cross-ice power play pass from Miko Rantanen to Nathan McKinnon from one wing all the way over to the other, and that's exactly what happened. And when he got it to him, he got it to him quick, and McKinnon had time and space, and he didn't, he didn't waste it. He fired a laser uh, right over the goalie's shoulder. I think it even grazed off of his shoulder, um, and that was a goal, and you knew that that goal was going to be of the utmost importance, and obviously it was. Maple Leafs came back um, only a couple minutes later, <clears throat> and they tied it. Good goal. Nothing you can do about that. Um, I'm pretty, and I think Alex Kerfoot was involved in it through through a through a pass right to who scored it. I'm gonna look it up here. Um, was it Zach Hyman? It was Zach Hyman. So uh, nothing you can do about it. He kind of. The, the puck was kind of going back and forth. Makar had it. He lost it. Happened so quick. Uh, actually, Makar beat Hyman to get the puck. Hyman fell on his butt and got up and just went right to the front of the net as uh, the puck kind of got away from Makar and went right to Kerfoot. Kerfoot just threw it right center ice, right to where Hyman was. Nothing Grubauer could do against that. And that was it for the Maple Leafs. And that's all thanks to Philip Grubauer. He was – we haven't really talked about him lately because we've been talking about this offense. He was uh, every bit as the number one goalie that they expect him to be in this game. He was incredible. We'll continue this talk in just a moment. So the Avalanche and Maple Leafs played two very tight periods. Three very tight periods. I want to say the whole game was very tight. It, it, it was. Um so as we go into the third, right off the bat, Avalanche get a double minor on a high-sticking penalty, and they couldn't do anything with it. And it was it, – I give a lot of credit to the Maple Leafs in that power play. The, the power play that they <clears throat> gave up the goal to McKinnon, I think they, McKinnon scored that goal within 30 seconds of the power play. It was relatively quickly. Four minutes in the Avalanche. They did get three shots on goal, I think, but the Maple Leafs made them work for it. It was – a very good penalty kill, and I don't I don't want to <clears throat> say that it was the Avalanche not doing their end. It was the Maple Leafs kind of just blowing up any 
semblance of setting up anything for the Avalanche. And they knew that that was that could have been the game right there. Um, so they had to step it up for four minutes, and they did. So it kind of went on for a little bit longer. Again, just back and forth, really fast play. Both teams uh, getting their chances. And that was a good thing about this game was it was a back-and-forth type of game, um, but there was a lot of shots on goal. It was a high-energy, high-action game, and you saw both goalies, like I said before, um, not just Grubauer, Anderson as well. I have to give him credit as well of, of really you know stopping anything and everything that came their way, and that made the game more enjoyable to watch. It wasn't just teams going back up and down, and they had after you know two periods, two and a half periods, 12 goals and 13 goal, uh, shots on goal. You know, I, after two, they were in the 20s. So they were being consistent uh, with their with their play, with their shots on goal. It was just an enjoyable game to watch. And then eventually the Maple Leafs got on a penalty kill. I believe JT Comfer had the penalty. Yes, it was. JT Comfer had a penalty for interference. <clears throat> um and the Maple Leafs had a couple chances. And then Jason Spezza did something kind of, you want to say it was admirable for, you know, A for effort. But I think he did more harm than damage in his attempt to keep the puck in the zone. And what happened was he just took a slap shot inside the blue line, uh, snapped a stick. Stick went, the, the lower part of a stick went just flying through the air. Um, but he got a good good shot on the puck and on net. But when the puck came back to him, it was kind of coming at a good speed, at a good clip, and it would have cleared the zone easily. He Because he had to drop his stick, he tried to get in the way of stopping the puck from entering the zone, which obviously just his skates, and in the process bumped into his own player. I don't know who it was. Who could have stopped it easily himself? He didn't need Jason Spezza to stop the puck for him. But I think Spezza got a little uh, happy, little little feet happy, and he just he wanted to keep that puck in the zone. I get it. But he kind of collided just enough. Not a big collision by any stretch of the, me- of the imagination. But they, they collided just enough where the puck kind of skidded behind him. And my man... The one, the <laughs> I can't say good enough things about Valery Nachuskin, but he picked it up and he went the distance and he beat Anderson for the game winning goal. Uh, he he keeps and it was shorthanded, obviously. So he keeps playing well. Uh, he, it's starting to come around to him where he's getting those points, and that's what people want to see. So again, he he came through. He came through when he needed to. So. Uh, Toronto ends up pulling the goalie, and uh, for I think there was a little bit less than three minutes left, and uh, they couldn't really had a couple chances, obviously, but uh, Jonas Donskoy eventually got an empty netter, and that was it. <laughs> Nazem Kadri, I think when they got the empty netter, there was still a minute and a half left, maybe a minute and twenty seconds left. So you know, not over. They they pull the goalie again. And Kadri, two times in a row, fires full length of the ice, wanting to get that empty netter. Um, Understandably so. Maybe not the best decision, though, with that much time left. If there's, like, 20 seconds left to go for it. But there's still a good amount of time left. Anything can happen. Um, 
But each time he did it, it was two two icing penalties within like 15 seconds, and he had this huge grin on his face. But you can't you can't fault him for it. So, um, but like I said, great great win by Colorado. That brings them to let me bring up the standings just to get the official standings here. 17, 8, and 2. That's for 36 points, and they have four in a row. Let me see if that's the a number of teams that have won four in a row. Uh, the Flyers have won five in a row, and the Bruins, yeah, forgot about the Bruins. I like to forget about the Bruins. They've won eight in a row, but maybe that's good. Um, maybe the Bruins, let's see if they play. They don't, let's see, they play tomorrow against the Blackhawks. So um, it'd be nice to end a, a long winning streak from an opponent against a good team like Boston. So uh, let's, I don't want to say let's root for Boston to win tomorrow, but if they do, maybe we can shut down that that winning streak. So for the Avalanche, some stats coming at you. Grubauer, obviously, with the win. 39 um, shots on goal, obviously saved 38 of them. He's been great. And like I said, we don't talk about him. We haven't talked about him recently. And the Avalanche didn't have this, haven't had this type of game in a little while. They've been scoring a lot, and they haven't really needed this grinded-out, hey, Grubauer, we need you type of victory where the other team's pulling their goalie, um, the, the the threat of overtime. When's the last overtime game the Avs have had? Last year, that was – that. I remember uh, doing an article thinking, like, you know, what's the reason the Avalanche are not going to make the playoffs? Their overtime record. It killed them last year. Um, but they're not putting themselves in the position to go into overtime. So I, I, I should have looked it up before we started, but um, it's been a it's been a good clip since Colorado has been forced to an overtime game. I want to say it was the McKinnon goal, but I can't remember who it was against. But it's been a little while. That's my point. Um, so yeah, great great goaling goaltending by Philip Grubauer, thirty eight saves. Nathan McKinnon goal and assist for uh, two points. Nachuskin with the goal. Donskoy with a goal, Makar with an assist, Calvert did get an assist, and Miko Rantanen did get an assist. So, um, you know, is what it is. It's uh, it's just a all around good, solid, high octane, great defense, great goaltending, Colorado Avalanche victory. So, uh, we will take a quick little stoppage and play right here, and uh, we're going to set up the game. That is tonight in Montreal. All right, so uh, before we say goodbye, we're just going to do a, a a game preview for tonight in <coughs> Montreal. And uh, the Montreal Canadiens are a, a hurting team. They won against the Islanders a couple days ago, um, and that was their first win in eight games. They had an eight-game losing streak, um, and it was – Pretty ugly. Um, lost to the Devils, who obviously are struggling mightily. They lost to the Senators. Uh, they lost actually. They lost to the Devils twice. Um, so they they stand at 12, 10, and six for a total of thirty points. Have not played the Avalanche yet this year, so we'll see uh, how these two teams match up in terms of statistics. Uh, Tomas Tatar leads them with 24 points. Brendan Gallagher leads them in goals with 11. Tatar leads them in assists with 15. And he also leads them in penalty minutes in 22. 
and your plus minus leader, if you care about that stat, is Shea Weber at a plus nine. So uh, kind of going over their their main scorers there. I already mentioned uh, their leader, Tatar, with 24. Uh, Weber is right behind him with 23 points. Gallagher's got 21. Uh, Philip Denault has 21. And Max Domi with 17. And kind of goes on from there. So interesting team. Um, I think they're going to be a more interesting team come the, the trade deadline. We'll see where they are at that point in time. Right now they're hovering uh, around that last wild card spot. A couple points out from it right now. Despite that eight-game losing streak, <clears throat> um, you know they they were they were decent right up until then. So I don't know what happened. Obviously, I don't really watch them um, as much as the Avalanche, but um, they they seem to be in the mix. But whatever happened, they got they they are coming off of a win. Like I said, against uh, the Islanders, who are a good club. So you have those couple really bad losses against New Jersey twice and Ottawa and then get a win against Islanders, the Islanders. So you're kind of an all-over-the-place team. We don't know what to make of you right now. So uh, goaltending, obviously, when you got Carey Price in goal, uh, you always got a shot. Struggling a little bit this year. His save percentage is below, just a fraction below 90%, uh, which is very un-Carey Price-like. So um, I think they're, they're going to be a team that's going to be an interesting team to watch. Like I said, come trade deadline, they're also their team has been thrown around as Taylor Hall um, in the mix for him, and it's one of those things where you know if they're going to be in it and they really want to make a run for it, do they make a run for him? So we shall see. So it should be a another good game. Hopefully the Avs can keep this win streak going and game two on the road. Hopefully we will have two wins and head into that. That that's going to be a hot ticket item against uh, Boston, if uh, we can win, whether or not we win this game or not. That's still going to be a game to watch. But it would be nice both teams going in there on a solid win streak. If Boston takes care of business, um, they will be on a nine-game win streak. And right now, the Abs, if they beat Montreal, they're going to be on a five-game win streak. So that will definitely be the game to watch. So let's hope it goes our way. And up until now, see you guys tomorrow. Go, abs, go!